0: Good afternoon everyone and welcome to your active online debate supported by IPA Europe Probiotics in Europe. How can better regulation strengthen the knowledge of probiotics for consumer health? As always, first things first, if you want to get involved with our discussion, send in your comments and your questions into our Slido chat page. You can also scan the QR code and if you are going to use any hashtags to tweet about us on social media, use the hashtag probiotics of course. Okay, so Probiotics, what? are they then? Well essentially they're what we like to call good bacteria or live microorganisms that are believed to help maintain or restore good gut health and boost our immunity. Now when our guts become unbalanced with bad or harmful bacteria that imbalance can cause health problems particularly the kind of health problems that no one really wants to talk about the gastrointestinal issues. Right so probiotics can be found in foods as well such as yoghurt, kefir and if you're like me and you do love things like pickled onions and gherkins, hey, don't be judgy because guess what? Fermented vegetables are a great source of probiotics. They can also be taken as a supplement and this is where the crux of the problem lies. In the UK, in the US and of course here in the EU, probiotics are classed as supplements and not as drugs. So as food rather than as medicine, they don't then go through the same sort of rigorous testing. For the consumer, it can mean that they possibly can't be sure that the product that they're buying contains the bacteria that it claims to have, and if that bacteria that they claim to have in it Um, can survive the journey to our guts and give us that health boost that we've been searching for. Another EU caveat is that supplements claiming to be probiotics can't be sold in the EU, as use of the term probiotic is considered to be an unauthorised health claim and was banned since 2007. According to the Commission, the term could be misleading to consumers unless it can be scientifically substantiated. But with the overall market of probiotic food, so your yogurts, your dairy-based drinks, your food supplements and sour milk, being valued at a staggering 9.5 billion euros does that give regulators 9.5 billion reasons to regulate this market better, especially if they want to protect the consumer and, of course, help us all have healthy guts? Well, let's ask our experts then. Joining us this afternoon um, for this um, panel on probiotics, we have Lasse hamilton Heidelman. He's member of Fit for Future platform and member of the Dutch Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to you. We have Denai Spentsu, who is the accredited parliamentary assistant to MEP Stelios Kimpoopoulos. Uh, at the European Parliament. Sadly, the MEP couldn't attend, and I apologise if I did um, mispronounce the name there as well. Um, next, we also have Naomi Venlet. Um, she's a scientific project manager at ILSI Europe, the International Life Sciences Institute Europe. Um, and then finally, we have Esteban Lowland, who's the chair of the International Probiotics Association Europe, IPA. Okay, well, welcome to all of you. and I think lots of people will be looking um, very much forward to discussing um, probiotics and listening to our debate. So without further ado, let me now hand it over to all of you to introduce yourselves. Um, And let's start with Lasse first.
1: Yes, so my name is uh, Lasse Hamilton-Heidemann. I'm in fact from the Danish Chamber of Commerce, but nonetheless, I'm a senior director for uh, EU and international affairs. I'm also a member of the Fit for the Future platform, which is my reason to be here today. I am unfortunately not an expert in probiotics, but I have worked uh, quite extensively with the uh fit for the future platform in terms of giving an opinion on bio solutions and this is basically why we're here or i am here today the uh, fit for the future platform is an advisory organ to the commission and it's headed by marshevkovic and we have worked uh, over the last years all of 2023 to get to a number of opinions which is recommendations basically from the platform on how we can improve the use of biosolutions in Europe. Uh, now the platform is uh, consists of 20 experts, so appointed experts. then there's the economic and social Committee, the commission regions, and then all the 27 member states. So it's quite a group of people who have to agree on something. So when things are actually agreed there it is rather a powerful way forward and a, a clear recommendation to the commission. Uh, in the report, which I would advise everyone to go have a look at at the website, um, there is a suggestion, it's number eight, which uh, deals directly with the use of probiotics. And uh, we have started out with quite a, let's say, a fresher text, but uh, now have come to the compromise with all the interests that were involved basically says that there should be a dialogue around how probiotics is used in the member states because we see a fragmentation of how it's used in the different member states and it serves neither the businesses nor the consumers to have unclear information about what is actually in their products. And the current situation is that in some places probiotics can de facto be used as a phrase, in other member states it cannot and even though your doctor or your pharmacist may use the phrase probiotics, that is not actually what it says on the package when you get it. So we are trying to push forward a broader debate on how these words can be used so that we can get a harmonized system in place that doesn't hurt businesses and at the same time, enlightens the consumer in the way that it is supposed to. So I think that was it for my starting statement.
0: OK, perfect. So harmonize rules and a better dialogue on probiotics. Perfect. Um, just to, an important caveat um, for everyone who is, of course, watching. Um, we would have been delighted to have a European Commission spokesperson on the panel today. But unfortunately, they weren't available. But we have all of our lovely panellists, as you can see. Um, next over to Denai.
2: Yes, thank you, Mariam. Um, I'm speaking here on behalf of my MEP. He was very—he uh, really wanted to be here, but unfortunately, due to health reasons, he couldn't make it. Um, he's a doctor, and his PhD actually researches on probiotics, and so he gave me all the inside information on that. Um, it, in accordance with uh, what we, he believes, and uh, to my personal view, also uh, probiotics can have a very Beneficial effect uh, when consumed. Uh, Mariam, you mentioned some of these, and of course, there are some other recent uh, developments that they saw they can have even uh, related connections to the mood and then mental health. So, there is a new category of uh, phycobiotics uh, that they are very important for the disorders and they can uh, involve psychological comorbidities associated with alteration to the gut uh, microbiome. Um, I have more uh, legal and policy background and I'm representing uh, my MP as an advisor in the SANT Committee of the European Parliament, the very recently established Committee on Public, Public Health, and the NV Committee on Environment, Food, uh, Health and Food Safety. Um, this is a very important time that we are discussing this uh, with all the late, uh, latest developments on the EU legislation. On um, the European health data space, so whole uh, health seems to be in the center of uh, the EU legislation at the moment. And I'm very much looking forward to discussing this further and the potentials for the regulation of the use of the word probiotics.
0: Okay, thank you so much. Um, over to Naomi.
3: Yes, thank you uh, Miriam. thanks for the introduction, and uh, it's great to be here at the panel today. Uh, Maybe I'll just start briefly with introducing Ilse Europe. I'm not sure if everyone is already familiar with what we do. Um, So at Ilse Europe we provide uh, science-based guidance to the food sector and build consensus consensus between industry, academia and uh, public authorities. And why do we do that? We do this to advance in the field in food safety, uh, nutrition and sustainability. And um, like I said, very happy to be here because probiotics have been um, a very interesting topic that's been uh, under the debates at Ilse Europe as well. And this is why we've actually started um, or set up the Probiotic Task Force. And together with the Prebiotics Task Force, because we also have that at Ilse Europe, um, they joined forces and they've developed a document which is called Concise Monograph. And it's a blue, a short blue booklet, let's call it like that. Um, where they bundled the scientific information on um, pre- and probiotics. And just for the aim of today, I'll focus only on the probiotics uh, part of it. Um, So together with experts from uh, academia and industry, they've um, bundled the scientific information and presented it in such a way that it's um, objective and accessible to non-experts. So this includes uh, consumers, but also non-experts in industry, uh, academia, or... um, in the public sector, so anyone who's interested in learning more about probiotics. And to, to even make it more accessible, we have actually translated it in, into six different languages. And we believe that this monograph is so important because in an era where we are confronted with um, so many different types of information, the monograph, as I said, aims at informing a very wide audience on the probiotic concepts and their related health benefits. Um, and what what is in the Concise Monograph, so it covers um, the concepts on probiotics, um, the related health benefits. Now with the updated version, because we actually launched the first monograph in 2013, and we've updated it uh, last year. We've included new science around emerging health topics, such as the gut-brain axis or mental health, and um, included advances in technologies. Um, and at DLC, we believe that um, this monograph will improve
0: scientific credibility uh, in the pre- and probiotic fields. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you so much, Naomi. Um And then over to our final panelist, Ben.
4: Yeah, uh, thank you very much, uh, Miriam. And uh, Thank you for for this opportunity also to introduce uh, you would say uh, ipa europe but uh, before i do that uh, just a few words of myself Uh, so i'm the president of uh, ipa europe and uh, when i'm not uh, you would say president of ipa europe i'm uh, employed by christian Hansen, which is a a leading bioscience ingredients uh, company and uh, a major uh, producer and supplier of uh, probiotic cultures for for uh, the world market but Back to IPA Europe, Uh, so we are the chapter, the European chapter of the International Probiotic Association, which were created in Brussels in uh, 2015. And the member uh, companies are directly engaged in Europe uh, in the manufacture of probiotic cultures uh, or probiotic foods, supplements or nutritional or therapeutic uh, products. So IPA uh, Europe represents the interest of the European a probiotic industry in all discussions with the european institutions national uh, governments relevant trade associations and leading scientists at european and international level um, we are part of the global international probiotic uh, uh, association so uh, you would say when we take the whole global view we are about 120 companies in uh, representing uh, 29 countries so IPA Europe is um, active in establishing uh, or in the discussion on probiotic standards and uh, voluntary uh, guidelines to define the conditions for the use of the term probiotic and promote uh, responsible production and marketing of these products and we work together with other organizations like, for instance, the uh, ISAP, the International Scientific Association for Probiotics and Prebiotics. And we developed uh, back in 2018 some conditions for the use of the word probiotic microorganisms to ensure quality products uh, on the market and also to enlighten and inform the uh, consumer and Miriam you already mentioned in your introduction that there is a market about uh, 9.5 billion euro uh, in uh, in Europe of these products and the majority of these probiotic products uh, of these 9.5 billion euro are actually in the food category uh, so uh, in dairy products like yogurts and others where they uh, probiotic uh, cultures are also part of. Um, So it is an important uh, discussion that we are having today. How can we actually make sure that we also inform uh, the European customers in the right way?
0: So much. And Esma, I'll come to you first then with my first question. You know, if we're talking about the European consumer, um, are probiotic supplements then a fad? You know, what real strategy do they, or what do they provide really when helping to, you know, promote good health, especially to ensure that we have this healthy gut and liver? Talk us through them. Are they a fad?
4: I don't believe so. No, of <laughs> uh, because there's a long history about, you know, uh, <clears throat> using microbes or that we have to have um, um, uh, microbial cultures uh, in order to sustain our uh, microflora and the whole uh, uh, you could say new research field of the human microbiome is uh, really booming uh, these years so there are a lot of uh, you could say research uh, which have been going on uh, around probiotics and how they can impact uh, the, the healthy uh, well-being of, of, of humans and that has uh, been going on for the past uh, a few decades. Uh, I think today, if you go into PubMed, which is a a public uh, sci- um, uh, in a scientific international library, and um, uh, where you can see actually the uh, the number of uh, you could say research articles within the field, I think there is close to six thousand uh, you could say uh, articles focusing on um, uh, uh, probiotics and related uh, related field. Uh, uh, in 2020 and if you look at it from the previous year that's actually uh, also an increase about almost 10% in the number of publications so there's a lot of uh, interest in the uh, scientific uh, field about uh, how uh, probiotics can impact uh, the human uh, health and well-being and um, it's also very (laughs) important to stress that the EU research Uh, foundation or the funding uh, through uh, the EU uh, horizon uh, um, programs are actually funding a lot of the studies uh, within the probiotic field so I don't feel that uh, probiotics is a fact it's a it's there really uh, you know a big scientific uh, background uh, behind that uh, and uh, uh, we just need to make sure uh, that uh, uh, these studies also uh, 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 come to the benefit of of the uh, European uh, consumers.
0: Okay, thank you so much. Um, Naomi, then, sticking with the kind of science um, around probiotics then, talk us through, you know, what's really going on in our bodies that probiotics can help so people can um, really understand it.
3: Yes, so thanks, Miriam. Um, So when probiotics are consumed it can have very different effects and that also depends on the type of probiotic you, you take. So what is important when taking probiotics is actually to take into account two different things. So um, first is the type of probiotics, as I mentioned. So you have the, um, the, you have the genus, the species and the strain level. And without the strain level, um, you can actually not have the right information to what health benefit you're actually looking for. So it is important to always look at that. Um, another thing is the amount of a probiotics also plays a big role on on what exactly um, the health benefits is is going to confer. So, it should have the the probiotic should contain the right amount, uh, the the right levels um, to comf- confer the 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 health benefit that you're looking uh, towards. So, in terms of what then happens into to your body is when you digest a Um, or you take into you if you take a probiotic um, it interacts with uh, your gut microbiome and this again can um, produce metabolites which then again um, can have a beneficial role um, on the the target host on on human health
0: okay and so does anyone on the panel then take any sort of probiotic supplements um, or food itself, things like yogurt, etc. Or someone also likes pickled onions like I do. Um, deny I think you mentioned earlier that, that you're you're a fan of taking a supplement.
2: Yes, that's correct. Uh, I'm currently taking some supplements because I was doing an antibiotic and usually they recommend and it's better to take it. But I'm also coming from Greece and I re- very much enjoy having uh, yogurt with probiotics. Uh, it's not whether it is mentioned or not but uh, it's always good for the health and I very much enjoy all the vegetables that uh, can provide it so i find it very beneficial uh, to include it in your health but it's important what uh, naomi mentioned before that there are different types and quantities so it's one of us should have uh, the necessary guidance and information on what is best for our uh, health and our immune system so we have different needs and we need then different types of um, probiotics and it's the same with vitamins and every other uh, supplement that we might take. Uh, We take it for a specific reason so it's good that we take it only when it's absolutely necessary and we know what exactly we need.
0: Now lots of people of course take all kinds of supplements but specifically you know with probiotics is you know as we were you know This debate is all about. There's such an issue with using the word probiotic um, and there's an issue with the regulation as a whole. Um, But for example, the World Health Organization and the Food and Agriculture Organization, they describe probiotics as live microorganisms that when administered in adequate amounts confer a health benefit on the host. So why then is it possible to say that the EU perhaps hasn't caught up on the science surrounding probiotics? What really is the problem with it. Um, Danai, back to you again for the same question.
2: Yes, thank you. It seems uh, it is true that some, most of the times uh, we lag behind the third countries like US or UK, other countries on these scientific uh, advancements. And uh, This has not only been the case in probiotics, but also in other types of uh, clinical trials and scientific evidence. And the thing is that we don't like research or innovation is that sometimes we do have a lot of bureaucracy and uh, this is part of our job. Uh, We try to make everything be legal and ethical and uh, follow the right procedure. And sometimes we put some extra burden um, on ourselves. And this is what might uh, hold your back Um, is not necessarily bad or wrong because then it means that uh, what we do will stay safe and the regulation we will eventually have will uh, provide for the use of the term probiotics when it's uh, related to as now it is only related to per se health claims Um, and it could be also in other situations but this uh, innovation in this late um advance and opportunity for the uh, platform for the future of, uh, platform could uh, help uh, maybe reduce this burden and uh, simplify the situation in the eu um how it can work but uh, in my opinion it's also important not to have also a regulation or a labeling but to provide a broader health literacy through public hearings, uh, raising uh, awareness. This is also very important.
0: Okay, um, and also, you know, for our viewers who are following along this debate, you know, let us know in Slido um, if, for example, you are taking probiotics and, of course, you have any questions um, for our panellists. say coming to you then, um, if probiotics, you know, are labelled as health claims, why hasn't Um, you know, the science surrounding probiotics for you moved on in the EU?
1: Well, that is actually a really good question. I mean, when we did the report, we looked across all the member states to see what actually happened, how the phrases were used and how the terms were allowed in some jurisdictions and and not in others. And it, it turns out that there's actually pretty broad fragmentation. So if there were just one answer, then I guess, and, and the legislation was sufficiently clear, then we would in fact have a, one way of doing it. So the angle that we've come at it for, not being specialist in probiotics, is basically an internal market uh, angle. So we want the internal market to function. We don't want there to be fragmentation internally, and we want the claims to be credible and uniform across so that everyone knows what we're dealing with we create a level playing field for the businesses and the consumers can be sure that what they are told is in fact correct and right now it appears to be all over the place as far as i've known and what says in the report is that there are the three countries or six in practice that allows it for non-specific health claims there's seven countries who sort of ban it more or less outright and uh it, it creates a, a strange fragmentation for which there appears to be no good reason other than uh, the legislation is unclear and the member states are running in different directions in terms of their interpretation.
0: So given all of this fragmentation then, SBAN, um, if the needle isn't moving on regulating them, even though perhaps the conversation is and there's a consumer interest in them, why have this conversation today then? What's changed? what what innovation is out there talk to us through it
4: yeah well i think i mean you have to go back to uh, uh, the regulation uh, 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 1924 from 2006 on nutrition and health claim and especially also the guidance that they put forward in 2007 which mentioned contain probiotic as an example of a health claim so, um, I mean, this is a 16 year old, uh, you would say, regulation and uh, even a guidance uh, that is 16 years uh, old. So things have moved in, in the world that we're living today. And especially if you look uh, outside Europe, um, I'll come back to Europe afterwards. But uh, if you look outside Europe, I mean, uh, in Canada, Argentina, Brazil, India, uh, Canada, uh, Canada, I mentioned already, uh, they have uh, <clears throat> defined the rules to clarify the probiotic category. Uh, so, um, to give the possibility to EU companies to uh, play at a level playing field, as mentioned by Lasse, in EU and uh, outside, I mean, we have to, uh, you know, <laughs> make sure that we have the same uh, modus operandi. Um, so, um, that has also... Um, um, uh, had the consequence, as also mentioned by, by Lasse before, that, uh, that the, the term has been accepted in and used in certain uh, member states. Um, I, uh, we have, uh, I mean, since 2013, that uh, there are Italian guidelines, there are uh, uh, new guidelines in, in, in Spain. Uh, there are some countries that have opened up for uh, supplements, but not for foods like in Denmark and and other uh, countries and so on so I mean it, it is a very fragmented uh, um, uh, market that we are uh, looking into and and of course as an industry as a, a you know a reliable and and trustworthy industry I mean we want to make sure that we are doing things uh, right uh, and that we uh, you could say have a uniform uh, uh, um, uh, 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 regulatory environment, and and looking uh, also another aspect in this uh, context is actually that uh, if we make a survey of uh, European consumers, uh, that they are, and we did one uh, in uh, in two thousand and twenty two with among uh, eight thousand consumers in eight different uh, European countries, <clears throat> that uh, a lot of the uh, uh, you could say the response we got was that uh, almost 60% of those who surveyed uh, uh, f- found that they couldn't see anything uh, uh, on, uh, that a product contained uh, probiotics and that uh, almost 80% of the respondents would like to be informed whether a product contains a probiotics through a food label. So you could say that uh, um, the word probiotic is in the public domain And and we need to make sure that uh, this is uh, something that we can use. I mean, basically, you cannot put that. So (laughs) you could say the genie is out of the box or out of the bottle. And you cannot put the genie back in the bottle. So probiotics, whether we like it or not, is in the public domain. And uh, I think we, as a uh, a, a trustworthy industry, I mean, we we need to make sure that we have, uh, you could say... um, a clear uh, guidance for how to to act in this uh, field.
0: Okay, so Esben, coming to you then. Um, so talked there about, you know, harmonized rules and certainty for the consumers as well, and of course, certainty um, for the industry. But if we look at it, if we look at the market itself, IPA data says the European probiotic supplement market was valued at almost 1.5 billion euros in 2021, close to 25% of the global value, with a forecasted growth rate of 3% for 2021 to 2026. So, if we look at that, not having the word probiotic, specifically on a packaging of a supplement doesn't really harm the sales of the probiotic itself. So it hasn't put the consumer off. So if the consumer isn't put off, then what's the problem?
4: Yeah, but, but you could say that, uh, I mean, the European uh, producers cannot use the, uh, uh, you could say the word, <laughs> and that they can only use it for certain uh, markets and so on. But. On the internet, the consumers can find, you would say, um, uh, products containing or with a label probiotics, and then they import it uh, directly. So, so you could say you give it a disadvantage to the European producers of uh, of probiotic uh, cultures, both for the sub- supplement and, of course, also for the f- food industry. But when we're talking about supplements, so basically you can import it from outside Europe. Uh, and uh, there there are, uh, you could say, uh, the European uh, consume, uh, producers cannot uh, compete on the same level.
0: So let me just follow up with your question there. Why do you think that this is probiotics are a field that are so badly regulated in the sense that we're selling probiotics in the market, but we can't use the word probiotic? What is the problem here? What's the crux of it for you?
4: Well, I think, um, I mean, if I have <laughs> to be very frank, I think uh, the European uh, Commission, uh, you know, uh, looking at something which were established uh, 16 years ago and uh, that they seem to be stuck in, uh, you could say, in a in a way of a, a circular uh, arguments. So they don't take into the con- consideration the new, uh, you could say, conditions that we are uh, an environment that we are, are living in today. Um, so that, that I think is, 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 is uh, uh, you could say, uh, uh, um, <laughs> a problem for, for at least for the probiotic industry and also for the consumers because they know uh, that uh, it exists uh, and they are asking for it.
0: But do you, um, Naomi, let me ask you this. Do you think that the consumer actually understands that there is such a problem regarding the the sort of regulation of of probiotics?
3: Um, That's a good question, Miriam. I am not sure if if the consumer um, understands the the complexity of it, but I think the consumer does not understand fully or does not have the, the right information to make informed decisions at this moment because it is so fragmented and there is no harmonized approach. So I think in that sense, as we did with um, with the concise monograph at ILSE Europe, providing bun- bundling together the scientific information at the moment, including new developments and, and and emerging health topics on probiotics, and providing in such a way that is that it's accessible to everyone and and easy to understand, could help um, for consumers to yeah to make an informed um, decision when when t- reaching out to probiotics or not taking them or not
0: tonight um obviously um as a representative um, of the MEP so the representative of the people here um in and obviously we don't have um, you know someone from the European Commission joining us um so you know, as the representative of the European Parliament, why do you think the European Commission is holding back here?
2: Yes, this is a good question, but hard to answer, i guess um, maybe there would be giving authorization to a product to use the term probiotic would be beneficial for the consumers to make them choose the right product and avoid unhealthy um, and unnecessary choices. Uh, But I guess uh, the main reason that the European Commission is uh, holding back on this and it's not moving on authorizing the uh, fa is not given yet any authorization on the probiotic any product to be considered as probiotic if it's not uh, really related with the health claim is um, maybe because they lack as we mentioned before the scientific uh, specific scientific proof that using that term Um, is important for the consumer or using that term is actually accredited and certified scientifically that this product would really help and provide um, these uh, necessary, these health issues because it's different when we get um, from the pharmacy probiotics and we use them for a specific reason, for a gut disorder or for antibiotics. And it's different when you say that a part of these is included in some cereal bars or other products. Sometimes it might be misleading. So maybe the whole... Um, issue and the stallman in regulating this is just to make sure that we do this safely and we don't create any confusion. On another level, it could be also work together with uh, the circular economy action plan that the Commission has proposed earlier this year and the QR code that we will put now um, on the products so that you can know the whole uh, supply chain and uh, all the information and ingredients of the pro- product there. So, this could also be helpful for the consumers.
0: Indeed. And obviously, um, you know, what is helpful is is perhaps also the regulation. Espen, as the kind of industry uh, perspective, you know, on our panel, when the EU is sometimes um, accused of over-regulating, is it quite stark that they're under-regulating here or not moving along um, with the times or the science um, that is coming out? Well first of all
4: I mean it, it is so that the food business operators are responsible for the products they put on the market so of course it has to be you know reliable things that we put on the market uh, so uh, i think it's uh, in our own interest you know to have clear and harmonized rule at all stage of uh, the production including labeling and uh, and communication to um, to consumers um and we have of course also another you could say <laughs> uh, regulation in the eu this uh, um food information to consumers um uh, which states the that it is uh, you know uh Um, um, very, um, well, it's mandatory to provide clear and understandable information uh, to the consumer about uh, food, uh, about the food uh, on labels and other communication. And uh, I I don't think that is, uh, you know, we're not in in that position today to really uh, inform uh, uh, the consumers about, you would say, uh, that these products contain probiotics. And in in this context... no, no, but it's also in this context that if you look on other, uh, you would say um, um, categories like fibers and so on, and, and vitamins and so on, you you are able to put that as a as a you know a, a general uh, denomination on 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 products that they contain fibers and so on, and we just find it uh, difficult, you know, that why there's this distinction between uh, those categories.
0: Okay, so. Could we also say perhaps that, you know, um, the European Commission is perhaps looking at this as even though health is an EU competence, um, they believe that it's a derogation for member states to sort out their own rules. Um, And I'll give that to Lasse.
1: Well, that appears to be the outcome, at least. I'm not sure that was the original intention. uh, When we spoke to the Commission during the 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 development of the the opinion, uh, it was their sort of starting statement, at least that the rules were clear and there was no legislative reason for the fragmentation, which is a bit of an interesting argument since every member state appears to be doing it differently. So, um, yes, I I think to some extent, the sort of lack of clarity in the rules has at least resulted in fragmentation, but that might be a good reason for the commission to then pick it up and uh, create some more harmonized way forward for this. And also just as an aside, there is a general rule in terms of consumer information that is given, that is the the unfair commercial practices directives, article five, that says you cannot mislead the consumers. So it is as a general rule and always in any field, legal to mislead the consumers knowingly.
0: Indeed. Um, and I think earlier you were bringing up the example of Spain. Um, I was actually looking at Italy last say, And it, their market, um, it's the third largest market literally in the world with over 560 million euros of sales of probiotic supplements um, in 2021, and their forecasted growth is 5% um, up until the period 2026. Um, and then you compare it to a non-EU member state, um, the United Kingdom, their market is only 50.6 um, million euros. So what happens then when you don't have harmonized rules? Because I know that you're bringing up specific country-wide examples, but what happens when you have a big market like Italy um, having its own rules versus another country? I mean, this is the example I have, obviously, as a non-EU member state, but I've used it for the purposes of to show that it's a smaller market. What happens when you then have these major discrepancies?
1: Well, the challenge is, as with anything internally in the internal market, if you have to relabel, if you have to change your product, then it's cost and it it, uh, hinders the spread of what should be one big integrated market. If you have something in one member state, it should as a concept be legal in the next member state. Otherwise we get fragmentation and there is in fact no real internal market. So it's just practical cost and lack of accessibility for these products in member states when the fragmentation happens because you'd have to relabel or you'd have to redo uh, your product to make sure that you can sell it somewhere else. In principle, the, the mutual recognition would apply, but it, it's not used in this field, uh, at least not effectively.
0: And so Esper, um following up um, that sort of question with you as well, what discrepancies or problems have you seen um, cross borders or in various member states?
4: Well, I think it it is just related to what Lasse just mentioned, that, that, uh, I mean, uh, it it, uh, increases the cost uh, of, uh, of, uh, you would say, uh, the producers of of these uh, products. And it's uh, also against, you would say, the whole idea about the uh, uh, common market, the single market we we have in EU, uh, that uh, that we we are not, you know, in a position to... To, to have the same, uh, you could say, regulatory framework in, 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 the, in the different countries. So, um, okay. yeah. so I agree uh, to what, what Lasse was saying just before. Yeah.
0: OK, so as I said, we don't have anyone from the Commission on our panel. So in lieu of them being here, um, what advice do you guys as panelists have for the European um, Commission in trying to regulate probiotics? What should be part of their framework? And I'll go around the panel, so Lasse started with you first.
1: All right. So the recommendation that we came out which is, uh, yeah, as I said, the suggestion eight is to uh, to start a debate about how pro is used and to create a harmonized way forward so that we agree how things should be done. And then we do it in the same way so we can get the integration in the internal market that everyone wants. It will be better for the consumers. It will create a level playing field amongst the businesses. I'm sure that the safety and security and the trustworthiness of the information would also improve so we see that as a way forward and that is in fact what the the recommendation says
0: okay tonight your thoughts for the european commission
2: yes i would uh, agree with last and i would also add that uh, it would be quite beneficial to see the best practices and uh, that they're being used now in the member states and to see what could be most uh, applicable to the majority of the consumers and then maybe even suggest some guidelines uh, before moving on a specific regulation.
0: Naomi?
3: Agreeing with Lasse and and Dania, of course, but uh, maybe also looking from a more scientific perspective, is taking also into account the the vast amount of scientific evidence there is. Um, I think it was Espen who mentioned that only last year, more than 5,000 new publications came up in one year on probiotics. And then again, as I mentioned, um, what is important when setting up such a, a regulatory framework around probiotics is looking at the type of probiotics, because not every type um, has the same health benefits. And then again, the amounts. And then with the amounts, um, there should also be a guarantee that it, it can, can contain this, this amount for, for the end of shelled life of the, of the
0: probiotic product.
4: yeah and if i should also come with a, some recommendation for the commission is that i mean based on um, you could say uh, that their the foundation of their position is still uh, you know 16 years old i mean they, they have to revise uh, the position and that's what i would very much urge them to 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 consider and especially in the, in the light that uh, i mean the work our probiotics is in the public domain and consumers recognize it so we need to come up with some reliable uniform uh, definitions in uh, in uh, in Europe uh, because that's what the consumers are, lo- are looking for uh, ipa europe have proposed together with isap as i mentioned in my introductory uh, statement uh, some guidance for that uh, this is not just uh, you know Uh, unreliable uh, definitions of of probiotics but some very concrete uh, uh, you would say definitions of when is a uh, strain probiotic and so on so so I would very much urge the Commission to you know reconsider the position and change uh, you would say the current uh, 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 position uh, they have
0: Okay, we know that Denai has to leave. So I'll ask you one last question um, before you have to leave us and any sort of final thoughts um, you want to add on the back of that as well. But, you know, if we're talking about the European Commission, you know, not budging, not wanting to regulate the area of probiotics, what can MEPs then do at a political level, especially considering, you know, there are EU elections coming up very soon?
2: Yes, thank you for this question and uh, I'm sorry we'll have to leave soon. So for sure the MEPs could uh, raise awareness and speak as much as possible and then put pressure on the Commission to find a solution. Uh, It's very important now that we have this very new established uh, committee on public health, uh, SANT, so it could also be uh, possibly proposed to have a public hearing uh, next on the use of probiotics and specifically if uh, any regulation uh, would be appropriate and based on that and on the following mundane there could be more actions uh, specifically and let's see what else could be on that. Thank you all very much for uh,
0: giving me the opportunity to speak with you today. No, thank you so much, um, and appreciate that you stepped in for your MEP as well. That was very nice of you. Thank you so much, and have a good rest of the day. Okay, so, panellists, just, just picking up on what Danai was saying there, she's talking there, possibility of having public hearings for probiotics. Um, the European Parliament could definitely do a lot more. Um, who wants to take that question? Perhaps, Leslie.
1: Yes, I mean, as a basic... Uh, as a basic rule, it's the Commission who has to propose changes of the rules, but the Parliament can obviously push through agendas and do own initiatives, reports, questions for the for the Commission and so on. So that would be very attractive if the Parliament would uh, take an interest in this and, and try and, and push the issue forward. We need to have that dialogue so we can get to a better place uh, and uh, anything that com- the Parliament can do to try and push that forward would be interesting and then we have an election in 24 and there will be approval of new uh, commissioners so the parliamentarians can ask them there as well
0: exactly but why do you think just to follow up with you there why do you think um you know we've talked about the urban commission and um, we've talked about you know what the urban parliament can do Why is it that, you know, the European Parliament, they're the voice or the spokesperson of the people, um, and obviously health is such an important issue for everyone. Um, Why do you think they're not acutely aware um, or trying to push this forward, try to get better sort of regulation or legislation so, you know, the people that they're representing are better protected or better informed?
1: Mm, There appears to be some sensitivity in the system as well. We are not... uh... I mean, there is, amongst especially the consumer associations and so on, quite some apprehension against using probiotics. This came out clearly as well as we were negotiating the opinion, I mean, the starting point was that they wanted it removed entirely. Uh, so we had a good exchange with them and we found a reasonable compromise, but it, it is there's quite a lot of sensitivity in the in the system as well. And uh, I think that is also reflected in Parliament, that they feel a bit unsure, they feel it might be misleading to consumers, uh, they expect different health benefits than the ones that are on offer, or it it is considered sort of more of a health claim than a general claim. So I think there's some sensitivity in the system that we need to have a dialogue around uh, to to be able to move forward.
0: And Naomi, your thoughts then on uh, increasing the dialogue, especially, you know, from the People's representative.
3: Um, yeah, maybe picking up on on uh, what Lasse just finally mentioned. Um, also, the question: if, if probiotics, if I understand correctly, is it is it is it a fad then, or or is is it not uh, agreed upon all organizations that that probiotics um, are working or, or are safe? Maybe, um, maybe to to catch up on that is that probiotics are such as any uh, other dietary intervention, there's many factors that determine um, if they work or not. So um, that can be that individual diet of every person, that can be uh, your own gut microbiota composition, uh, it can be medication. So it's a very complex um, discussion, uh, which doesn't make it easy. Um, but then again, if, if, if this one, because there are so many probiotics, so if one is not working, it means that maybe another one might for you. And then, um, if looking again at the scientific evidence, for the general public, um, for most of the people, it is considered safe. Although, of course, with, with some groups of, of the population, such as um, elderly infants or, or people with serious diseases or, or um, immune disorders, they should first consult their doctor um, when taking probiotics.
0: So just to follow up with you there Naomi um, you know you've spoken about different types of probiotics for different kinds of health problems um, some you know obviously lesser health issues Um, someone just perhaps trying to have, you know, good gut health versus someone who might have a more serious health issue. Um, Beyond this sort of regulatory, you know, conundrum that probiotics finds itself in, what sort of information or studies can, you know, associations like yourself do to help people understand? What information can you put out there for people to understand better the type of probiotic they perhaps could be using for themselves and to, you know, help regulate their health better? Yeah, yeah.
3: So I'm happy you, you asked that question, Mariam, and I'll, I'll like to link it again back to our, our monograph. I think that's one of our most valuable pieces because it it it, on, it does not only address the scientific community, but it's it's written in such a way again that it addresses consumers. But I think more importantly, not only consumers, also non-experts from 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 the fields, from from uh, from industry, from academia, and and then maybe people from from the commissions or public authorities. Um, so. Apart from that, um, at ILC Europe, once we have um, so within the task force, we have of course other activities ongoing on um, investigating um, the effects of probiotics linked to, to specific health benefits. We always try to um, to develop maybe a, a more accessible document summarizing the work um, to to ensure that that the the information is is passed on to in a in an accessible way again to to a broader audience.
0: Indeed. And Espan, um, um, you know, as um, the, you know, the, the chair, the president of um, the Probiotic Association Europe, what advice can you give then to consumers um, when they're looking at the range of probiotics and trying to understand, you know, whether the, I think it's 3,000 or 6,000 or 8,000 micronisms that, that are in these um, pills that they potentially could take, what should they be looking out for or trying to achieve by taking a supplement? Mm-hmm
4: well i I would like just to piggyback on a little what naomi said Um, i mean first of all um, i mean there are a lot of different uh, you could say uh, um, uh, areas that probiotics or uh, um, uh, can remedy vis-a-vis the 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 health and well-being of of individual uh, persons and so on so um i mean of course it's it's very good that we have a broad spectrum of different products uh, on the market uh, with you know different target uh, um, uh, say functions and so on uh, but i would also like to to stress that uh, I mean, the whole uh, probiotic industry are working very closely uh, together with uh, universities, research institutions, also organizations like ELC and ICEP, as I've mentioned before, uh, to make sure that uh, uh, you could say the studies that are presented uh, by reliable probiotic producers uh, are, you could say, uh, trustworthy and uh, that uh, also can, uh, you know, uh, sustain in, in, in the products that we are presenting uh, to the market. Um, so, uh, of course, I mean, the broad uh, spectrum of, uh, of uh, different uh, uh, microorganisms uh, and strains, you know, uh, will then have to fit, uh, you could say, to the condition that uh, a particular person uh, uh, would like to, to, to take. Uh, so, so I'm I'm very pleased that we have this broad, uh, you could say, range of of products within this category.
0: But are there specific terminology used, um, obviously in the labelling of these products, Espan, um, that the consumer can look out for? I don't want to try to yeah, pronounce yeah. those. I'm sure you can do it much better yeah, than yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no. But you have to uh,
4: to to think if if there are uh, you know specific things and you want to have a a real health claim. I mean you have to get it through EFSA which we fully recognize is the way uh, to move uh, forward and of course that uh, requires um, you know studies uh, also according to the uh, this uh, nutrition and health uh, claim about you know um, uh, we have to test it in a, a general healthy population and it has to be uh, done according to the highest my uh, scientific standard and I think that's also what we are All uh, you could say, reliable uh, probiotic uh, producers are trying to do. Uh, So I hope I hope that that answered your question. Maybe uh...
0: indeed. Um, And and um, Lasse, coming back to you then. um, There's so much. You know, we've spoken about obviously the the producers um, and for them wanting to have you know rules and 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 for their industry to be regulated. Is regulation also the only way to kind of kick out the kind of cowboy um, manufacturers or producers who perhaps aren't trustworthy because that's also a massive issue for anyone trying to um, you know take a supplement of a probiotic sometimes you know that understanding might be missing or you know bad claims might be out there is that an issue?
1: I think it is Uh, I I think it is and the, the As with everything else, the the problem is that rogue traders have can have in some cases, if the rules are unclear, free reign to do things, or they don't simply simply don't follow the rules and just do it anyways uh, to the disadvantage and the unleavened playing field for the businesses who are actually trying their best to uphold the law uh, and and follow the rules to the best of their ability. So it's bad for the reputable businesses who are trying to do what they can to uphold the rules. And it's bad for the consumers who end up with products that are maybe inefficient or maybe even worse. So it seems like a bad situation overall. The, the problem with rogue traders is obviously they are quite hard to get at because they are rogue, so they will claim whatever they want. So there needs to be some real enforcement to make sure that that doesn't happen.
0: Indeed, and it's and it's quite interesting. You know, um, the you know the EU as a whole is. is is, is takes labelling very seriously, but it seems in this area a little bit less so, which is quite ironic. Um, Naomi, um, you've mentioned your monograph, your scientific monograph a few times. Um, How could data help to perhaps create a scientifically accepted definition of prior robotics that is accepted um, by regulators, industry, and then also um, understood by consumers? Because I think data is something we haven't, you know, touched upon just quite yet.
3: So I'm sorry, Miriam. Just to clarify, you mean the scientific data that that's already here? Yes.
0: yeah.
3: Yes. Okay. Well, um, I know that in 2001 it was the was it yeah I think the it was WHO and FAO that um, first formulated the definition on probiotics, and this was updated by ISEP um, a few years after that. So from scientific perspective, I. I think that there is already quite a clear consensus on what exactly a probiotic is. So, live microorganisms that, um, when administered in in um, adequate amounts, can confer a, a health benefit on on humans. So, in that sense, I think this is this is a, already a a, a nice uh, guideline also for for regulators to to as a starting point to um, for for a definition
0: for a, yeah. Okay. Well, let's um, come to some audience questions then. Um, we have a question from Dr. Luma who says, do we expect to use a probiotic treatment as drugs for the near future? Um, perhaps, Naomi, you could take that one. So could probiotics be seen as a drug for the future rather than a food supplement? Um.
3: That's an interesting question. Um, I think there's there's two sides of it, because bro- probiotics can be taken for two different reasons. Um, and one hand, you can take it to more support your health, so it can more have a supportive function. Uh, let's say you're going on a, a trip and you know that your dietary habits will change, so you know that this will affect your, your bowel uh, movements and you, you want to sustain your normal uh, bodily functions. So in that sense, it has more of a supportive role and uh, maybe not necessarily um, seen as a drug and and is more part of a a balanced diet. Uh, At the other hand, there is a lot of scientific evidence also showing that um, probiotics can have an impact on on a lot of um, um, diseases. So this can can go from um, uh, the effect on irritable bowel syndrome, um, but also looking at more, new, more emerging topics such as, as um, the gut-brain axis and the link to, to mental health. So in that sense, I think there, there
0: might be opportunities. Indeed, um, you brought up IBS. Um, so for someone that perhaps has IBS, um, I know some people might not want to admit to having, um, you know, these, these kind of issues. There, there's some, but is a probiotic then a good investment for their health?
3: Yeah, so I am not the expert in in IBS, and I'm sure um, our experts at at, uh, ILSE Europe, the ones that we're working on with uh, from industry and academia, will be happy to take uh, that question in more detail. But uh, I know that, um, at least with one of our activities right now, there is um, an expert group looking into um, the effect on on IBS, but also many other uh, um, gastric uh, GI infections and, and, and diseases. So, um, no, I'm, I'm happy to take on that question maybe uh, when, uh, when, uh, with, the, with the experts as well.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Um, Espan, I'll give this question from Marilia, for you. Um, they say, following the WHO definition does indicate host and not consumer or patient. For the panellists, would it be limiting at an EU level to move forward directly at food supplements, and not beyond, as ingredients like enzymes and application in other categories. Um, do you understand the question first of all? Um, please do answer it. Again. Well, I mean,
4: does it also encompass that? Uh, I mean, we should besides probiotic also take uh, enzymes and, and other uh, ingredients into the probiotics sphere. Is that how it was? So, I, I, I think
0: I, I think that's what they're trying to ask. Moving yeah, forward, yeah,
4: yeah. But I think I mean <laughs> I think we should uh, make sure that we preserve the the word probiotics for for uh, you know live uh, microorganisms and so on and uh, uh, and I think that's that's very I- important because otherwise you will have uh, uh, probiotic uh, cleaning you will have uh, probiotic uh, uh, you could say uh, carpets and so on. So probiotics in in our definition should be preserved to uh, live uh, microorganisms.
0: Okay, um, next question. Um, Espan, perhaps will come to you for this one. It um, yeah. says, so just coming back to the question, they've asked it again, what does the EC mm-hmm. need? Guidance does exist. IPAs publish published clear guidance. Also Codex is working on this.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, well, well, I think. I mean, first of all, I mean, they they have to recognise the EU Commission that there are movements. I mean, things have changed since they came up with the first, uh, you could say, uh, uh, um, uh, this um, the guidance or the uh, uh, health and nutrition guidance uh, regulation back in 2006 and the guidance in 2007. So things have have changed, and I think they have to look uh, at where we are today uh, with an opening that. Uh, We need to have a a opening for use of the word probiotics in the uh, same manner as we have for fibers and and vitamins and so on uh, in in the uh, 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 European uh, uh, regulatory environment.
0: Okay. Um, um, Silviana says, um, first of all, thanks for inviting her to attend this conference. Well, thanks for being with us. Um, She says, for a better understanding, I would like to know if the prebiotic will also be considered in proposals of EU regulations. I mean, that's something that we perhaps haven't discussed, um, prebiotics. What's the difference between perhaps a prebiotic and a probiotic?
4: Well, if I, mean, I don't know if you, Naomi, but otherwise I can say that the probiotics is, of course, the, the living bacteria and so on, whereas you could say the prebiotics is some of the nutrients that uh, the uh, probiotic bacteria, uh, um, you know, uh, lives on. So basically you could take uh, prebiotics and then uh, you, uh, that would uh, uh, enhance, you could say, the growth of probiotics in your gut.
0: Okay, great. Um, and then a final question. Um, perhaps Naomi, you can take this. Um, Marila also asked another question. How can the industry, oh, perhaps this isn't, but anyway, how can the industry better align or bring best practice to the European Commission apart from MEP pressure? What else could be brought?
3: I'm not sure if I'm the right person to to answer that question. Uh, maybe l- Lasse, if, if you're. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> go ahead.
1: <laughs> sure um yes i mean we've tried actually what what is in the fit for the future platform is sort of the first step to try and open up the conversation Uh, and that stands as a recommendation for all the commission services uh, in principle in perpetuity so uh, so that would be one way forward but if we could have a broader debate so we the Parliament will do their bit, uh, the Commission will do their bit, and the Member States might also have a role here. There are businesses throughout the Member States who would have an interest in this. So maybe we can engage Council as well. So the, the more stakeholders we can engage here, the more interesting it would be. But it stands, uh, it, it remains that the Commission puts forth new legislation. So the Commission is, in fact, the interlocutor that would have to be convinced.
0: Indeed it does. Um, so a final question to all the panellists then, um, can you see in the near future a time when the word probiotic can be used on the labelling of food supplements? I and mean, obviously we said the European Commission is the one who needs to push the needle, but how long do you think perhaps it's going to take? Lasse, to you first.
1: Well, let's, uh, I'll take the optimistic view and say just on the other hand, on the other side of this commission period, then we can start so, uh, we can start the process in 2025 and then implementation in
0: 2027. <laughs> optimistic. Um, what about you, Naomi?
3: Well, I would like to join uh, lasso with that optimistic view. Um, I think at least uh, the scientific uh, evidence is there and, and we see R&D is moving forward and and. R&D is moving forward because there is such a, a huge uh, consumer interest as well. So the market is asking for it. So I think um, I'll join that
0: that positive <laughs> outlook. Okay, Espen, do you also have the positive outlook?
4: Well, if it's uh, very optimistic and so on. But uh, but I I think realistic that uh, I agree with you, Les. I think we will have to unfortunately see it uh, come through uh, in the next uh, you know commission period Uh, i don't think that we will see it unfortunate uh, this uh, i mean before we have a a change in the commission Uh, unfortunate because i think as you also mentioned naomi that i mean the consumers and so on they they um, ask for it so uh, unfortunate
0: yeah okay, well, we're sort of running out of time. we're near the end of the debate, so I'll come to all of you now for your sort of final comments and perhaps your your final asks um of the European Commission um so let's say over to you first
1: certainly uh yeah so so uh, I probably did mention it a couple of times already, but let's let's have a dialogue let's have a dialogue in parliament let's have one with the commission and the member states as well with all the interested stakeholders so we can have an open and free discussion about how to go about these things because this current system is, uh, quite frankly, not sufficient. It doesn't serve the consumers, it doesn't serve the businesses and it it doesn't really serve the purpose that it's supposed to do. So let's see if we can't get that changed um, sooner rather than later.
0: Indeed. Naomi?
3: Yeah, I'll i like to join that as well. So let's have the dialogue, indeed. And I think that's also what what Ilc Europe is Europe is doing, um, trying to foster the dialogue between uh, the three stakeholders, um, so the industry, the academia, and and the public uh, authorities. And with this con- concise monograph that we've developed, um, we're f- really focusing on education on, on education of the general public. But I think it is really important um, also to to um, to have clear regulations um so that we can create clarity for producers but
0: also for consumers and espen
4: yeah i also would like to join what what the two uh, uh, other members of, of the panel have said so but basically let's be very clear i mean the probiotic name is out in the public domain the genie is out of the bottle i'm sorry that the eu commission couldn't be part of it but uh, I really hope that uh, we can engage, uh, you know, in an open and constructive uh, dialogue uh, with the EU Commission to secure that we have uh, a reasonable solution in accordance with what's, uh, you know, the situation in the rest of the world, but also internally in EU, so that we secure a, a level playing field uh, for all, we uh, would say, um, uh, partners in in this uh, field, and make sure that we can inform the consumers in a uh, open and uh, a, you know, reliable uh, way.
0: Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much to our panelists um, and also to who to leave us a little bit earlier. Um, we're gonna have to leave it there, but thank you to all of you who have been watching uh, this debate on probiotics. I hope it's informed you a little bit better of the picture um, across Europe. Um, thanks for watching from your active and us and IPA Europe. Thanks for watching and bye-bye. Thank you.